Cranberry Township. What does that mean to you? Cranberry Township is is a place in western Pennsylvania, a little bit north of where we grew up from, but very close to where we grew up. Um, it's uh, used to be farms, probably farms with cranberries, and now it's uh, Starbucks. Lots of Starbucks. It is a lot of Starbucks. What what does Phoenix, Arizona mean to you? Uh, I think every insane person in the world, if they don't live in Florida, they live in Phoenix, Arizona. Traverse City, Michigan. What does that mean to you? Absolutely nothing. I don't even think there are people there. How about Midlothian, Texas? Um, I, once again, not a real... It, there's only like Dallas and Fort Worth and the Alamo in Texas. I don't think there's any other Texas places. Is San Antonio the Alamo? I don't know. How about Columbus, Ohio? What does that mean to you? Columbus, Ohio, that's where your wife used to live. Anything else? Nope. No, nothing of note. Columbus, come on. There's nothing else. How about Brisbane, Australia? Oh, that's, uh, I assume that's where the shrimp comes from that you put on the Barbie. Oh, (laughs) okay. Cool, 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 cool. Yes. How about the town of Little Elm? Oh, that sounds adorable. That sounds like a little town you would make in Minecraft or something. Maybe it's like a Roblox town. It's definitely not like a real place. Yeah. The city of Helena. Helena. Helena? Yeah. It sounds suspiciously Canadian, so. No, it's it's in America. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, it shouldn't be. It should move. They should pick it up and move it to Canada. How about Chicago? What does Chicago mean to you? Chicago is where you get hot dogs. That's the only place you can get a hot dog from is Chicago. I just wanted you to give a review of the top 10 cities that listened to last week's podcast. Oh. Over 10,000 people were from those cities that you just defined. Oh, I would have uh, probably been nicer to them if I knew that. It's crazy that there are 2,400 people listen to our podcast from Cranberry. Well, I mean, that's kind of where Sharapa's live i guess it's true it's, it's spreading like a virus all through western pa it's interesting though canada is not even in the top 15 so not even the top 15 no city in canada no oh it's like father harrison's support is just going down the tubes which will just continue because we have two pittsburghers on the show today father mm-hmm. anthony and i'm producer nick yeah so it's sad uh father harrison he was getting a lot of flack for our correct opinion about um uh, backing into your parking space and so as a as a kind uh ecumenical type maneuver he decided to back into his parking space and as he did so uh his car exploded and uh he surprisingly uninjured uh, but the there were some wild Canadian geese who were able to nurse him back to health. The Canadian goose, also known as the Branta Canadanis, uh, brought him to their hospital for free. Because that's actually what Canadian healthcare does. They send out geese to just pick up sick people and bring them into the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's he's fine. He's fine. He's recovering. But uh, he's definitely never going to make the horrible, horrible mistake, the pompous maneuver, the prideful parking of backing into a parking space again so 
Yeah, I was backing out of my parking space at the sh- local sheets here in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and yeah. no one was behind me until someone just because a car passed me in my rearview mirror. I'm like, okay, I'm clear to back up now. And then they backed into the space behind me. I'm like, oh, guess I have to hit the brakes. Good thing I was paying attention, being good driver. You could have just yeah. pulled straight in. No, it's instead terrible. they it's it's just more dangerous. It's more dangerous to back into a parking spot. More people die backing into parking spaces than get eaten by alligators every year. It's true. Studies actually show that if you back into parking spaces, it's actually way worse to do that than to park in fire lanes. Yes. You should park in fire lanes along the street. Um, for convenience, not backing in. Right. It's terrible. Because that way you keep the fire in. Your your car uh, becomes like a firewall to keep the fire inside the building, which is where you want it. <laughs> That's how yeah. fire works. It is. Mm-hmm. How are you doing, Father Anthony? I'm doing well. Let's see. Uh, it's ordinary time. Loving me some ordinary time. I like the green. It's very simple. Just going through the Gospel of Mark. He's a fun guy. And uh, we finally took down our crash from uh, so Christmas is finally over at uh, St. Michael the Archangel Parish. The crash cool. is finally down and uh, getting getting ready to uh, probably Lent soon, which is how, how many weeks until Lent? I don't know. I think it starts in February, though. February, mm, the worst of all months. It's a great you time know to start wor- Lent. No, there's a worse month than February. What's the worst of February? February part two, also known as March. Yes, it's true because you think you're out of February. But if you're in Western PA or anywhere in the Northeast, you're not out of February yet. It's still all of our listeners from from Midlothian, which is actually a suburb of Dallas. You probably have nice weather in March. But for us, it's just more overcast. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, it's spring. The flower. No, no. April showers and sometimes snow showers will bring about May f- lame flowers. Lame flowers. Lame flowers. and grossness. We've we not a great weather place. It has been no. overcast for the last like month. Not even kidding. I was talking to a 90-year-old parishioner who was leaving, 95-year-old parishioner leaving the, the church. He always gets in his car 20 minutes after mass ends, one, because it takes him that long, but two, because he says, ah, I'm not that great of a driver, so I make sure everyone leaves, but I just live around the corner. I'm like, oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> and he goes, he's like, I've been dealing with these city, these seasons for 95 years, and you know what? I like spring and summer better than anyone else anywhere else. I'm like, that's true. That's, that's like true. That- that classic line, you, you don't have Easter without Good Friday. Well, you don't have a nice spring and summer without like February and March. Yeah. This is why I hate people from like California and Texas or other places that have nice weather. Is because oh, you mean they the don't wimps? understand what they have. They don't understand what they're, they have. They're so wimpy. I, I know a few of them here are like, oh, I have seasonal blah, 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 which is a real thing. I'm joking. But they're like, where, where the it's sun's like, not yeah, out. Yeah, we where? all do. That's why everyone here is sad. <laughs> That's why we're all sad. I woke up. I, woke, I went to bed last night and I thought to myself, I just feel kind of sad. And I thought to myself, and that's okay. So I looked at my wife. I'm like, I feel kind of sad today. And she immediately was like, hey, is there anything I can do? Like, What's wrong? I'm like, no, I'm just kind of sad today. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> it's okay she to be got sad. it. She got it. It's okay um, to be sad I will say this. I, will say, I started taking some vitamin D in the morning, and it has helped yeah. me. A lot. I feel significantly better. So whether it's placebo or science, take some 
500, some vitamin D3 and zinc in the morning. We're going to become a, uh, one of those podcasts that sells supplements. Wouldn't that be fun? Oh, Clearly speaking wow. supplements. Can I make the um, the ads for them? Yes. I'm like, by buying these supplements, you – no, I no, I want the only – you know what? I want the only advertisement on this show to be my wife's real estate uh, uh, business. So if you're in southwestern Pennsylvania, recommended highly by your home with Riley. Uh, you can just DM. Why can't she have a, like a side hustle? Like clerically speaking supplements. Uh, like you want your zinc, but you also want it blessed. Boom. Like we can offer something <laughs> that no other grifter can. Like we all blessed, buy our uh, supplements from the same like no name company. Uh, but wow. clearly speaking supplements, we get our label on it and we bless everything. I'm, now th- I'm pretty sure that's is- legal. This is my idea for for the parishes, Anthony. Like, like okay. uh, we give away sticks on Palm Sunday. People go nuts. Church yes. is packed. You give away some, you know, burnt sticks. Boom. Yeah. Ash Wednesday, everyone shows up. If you Absolutely. gave away priest bobbleheads, oh my gosh! Uh, you know what uh, I mean? I hate like, that idea so much. But, but, that, but then again, I thought to myself, okay, wait, wait, that's too much. We have to give away something like sticks. So what if in dirt? So what if we gave away like dust, or or what if we gave away like you know other other ordinary things like well in the okay, fall we, we give we away give, leaves. So my parish we give away a few more things. So we give away uh, dirt, of course, on Ash Wednesday, mm-hmm. and what you call sticks on Palm Sunday, which are definitely leaves and not whatever. And then uh, we also give away salt. Uh, on Epiphany and water, we give away water oh. and salt. Very, oh, very prized possessions. We gave away chalk recently. People yeah, went nuts. Give away, we which had is just fancy store. dirt. We had to buy more chalk. Yeah, yeah. It's basically fancy <laughs> dirt that you can draw on stuff. Um, so I guess the next natural resource that is in abundance. Oh, I know it. I know it. What? I know it. It's you on the altar with a t-shirt cannon, and you're just yep. firing off t-shirts with your parish logo on it. <gasps> Boom! You guys up in the rafters. Boom! Now you're, th- like you're a- thinking too big. Still, we can't go uh, from true. from like candles and dirt to t-shirts. So what we're gonna do? What we're gonna put in that t-shirt cannon are rocks. We'll come up with some sort of thing on St. Peter's like feast day or whatever, and we'll shoot rocks out of that cannon and knock people out. <laughs> It, oh, it's Rock Sunday. Be awesome. There's, there's a Rock Sunday. You have. It's a we love totally Rock obligation. <laughs> totally of obligation. You gotta get a rock. You know that's that's these how we solve the crisis of people like leaving the church. You just make up some more things with some nice giveaways. You know, we could do Rock Sunday for a good like fifty years. That'll keep us going, and after mm-hmm. that, we'll move on to. Something um, like uh, a ball of snow Sunday. We just we we freeze we freeze some like we've done water before. Let's do ice or dead deer carcasses on Saint Hubert's Day. Yeah, like, yeah, just we'll kill just those stupid. Drive deer. down seventy nine and just like pull off, grab some deer carcass, easy. Yeah, and people would come for that. Like yeah, my, I just found out if you're a longtime listener, you know how much I hate. Deer, my next door neighbors are feeding the deer cracked corn. They buy bags of it. Oh, and that's no. why they're eating all my plants. They think humans are okay and they're not afraid of me. What do oh, I no. do? You have to burn your neighbor's house down.
I think I will. I think I will. Yeah, in Minecraft, not in real life, of course. Mm-hmm. Allegedly. Um, well, uh, I think with all that being said, the only thing we can do now is uh, solve some theological emergencies. Please, please yeah! try to. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for calling Clerically Speaking. If this is truly a theological emergency, please dial 1 at any time. Hi, I flushed my goldfish down the toilet, and I wanted to know, is that a sin? Theological Emergency. We'll take your call at 412-912-7995. Hey, fathers. This is member of the laity number 46295-8 from Going With The Bit, Oklahoma, and my question is about Mama Mary. Uh, I'm part of a mom's group, and recently one of our ladies said she likes to think of Mary in terms of um, very human things like sleepless nights, being stressed and working at the loom, dealing with bullying for her kids, and things like all things that all moms do, basically. Um, but then she mentions that she feels like these thoughts can be, you know, borderline sacrilegious or heretical because she's thinking of Mary as, you know, not perfect, but Basically, that's my question. Is it inappropriate to think of Mary in those human types of terms? Thanks. Love the show. Bye. Well, hello, lady member number 46295-8. My, I, I feel like I should share my number too because mine is 43289-4. So we're actually pretty close as far as like numbered lady. No, no, wow. no. Don't whine it. We only give the women numbers because we don't see them as people. Because oh, that's no. what we do on Clerically Speaking. That's, oh, the, that's the clerical no. maneuver. Oh, we are so pure. Uh, that we don't even see them as people. They're just just numbers. We, we just lost half of our listener base. Why okay, we only see that? dudes as letters. So it's just we very we keep it all very impersonal. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, oh, just the normal clericalism thing. Yes. Yeah. So it's all lay people. Wow. Mm-hmm. I I it's funny cuz she identifies as this number which is not her name and I'm like that gives more credence to who she is, I think. Yeah. But uh, going with a bit Oklahoma, I wonder if, once again, that's an indigenous uh, town, uh, like has indigenous roots going with a bit, um, you know, that name, probably. Anyway, I cut you off. Uh, You want to give give a shot at this? Do you think they have a lot of oak trees in Oklahoma? Um, Actually, ironically, they just have nuts. (laughs) Just oak nuts. (laughs) It never gets any farther than that in the process. What's with the panhandle of Oklahoma, you know? Like, why don't they just cut that off and give it to Texas? Listen, everything about states – well, first of all, the more squigglies you have, um, the better state you are, I think. Uh, So Pennsylvania has internal squigglies. Like, we've got mountains and rivers and stuff, which is great. But sometimes border squigglies are good, too. So having a panhandle, that's a better state. If your state's just a square with planes, it's just not worth living in. Wow. Yeah. I'd love to give this a stab. Yeah. For me, it's like, what are what are the fruits of, of thinking a particular way? Like, if thinking of the Blessed Mother helps you you, you pray real good, then, then do that, like, in, in practical ways. I know some people who get really intimidated of Mary because she's so perfect that they can't even think of her, that they can't even relate to her. I'm like... Yeah, but she's your mom. 
you know, you, you should be able to relate to your mom. And so, um, like to be without sin doesn't mean to be without struggle. So if Mary's perfect, she, and she had like sleepless nights because the baby was like, wah, wah, wah. Um, that can be without sin and that can be uh, fine, right? Like that's, I don't think that the way this person's relating to Mary is is bad as long as you're like, no, she's she's sinless and uh, she she made good choices and stuff. Yeah, so yeah, we, we, we mistake this kind of really weird inhuman idea of perfection with uh, sinlessness and they're not the same thing. Like Jesus could have easily tripped over a rock and fell. Um, while he was walking along with his apostles and it would have been awkward, right? That's, that's, there's no sin in that. There's just like the human body making a mistake. There's, it's fine. Um, I don't think there's anything, um, it depends on what you mean by struggles. Like, yes, Jesus being a baby, babies being bad at sleeping sometimes because they're babies would probably like be uncomfortable, like, and sleepless. And she would have a tendency or more of a temptation toward crankiness. Would she lash out sinfully against Joseph in those moments? No. Would she be suffering greatly? Yes. Um, so she would. Uh, so that's that's where you gotta kind of draw a line. Like she understands and feels deeply all of the struggles of being a human being, but she has not sinned in them. Um, so she can like um, absolutely like empathize with our sinfulness without actually sinning this is a thing that can happen uh it's very much good to remember that mary is perfectly human she's perfectly human she is our sister our tainted nature's solitary boast um so don't make her into like an angel uh without like human qualities uh just without sinful qualities so would it would it be okay all right so here's what i'm thinking like uh i see a uh, a crying baby as annoying sometimes like oh you're just complaining and stuff um would <laughs> would, would would mary she'd feel the temptation to feel that but she wouldn't like think that that baby is annoying like where, where's that line where she's like yeah. like temptation i i almost conflate with being sin like to be tempted yeah. i almost conflate mm -hmm. with being sin so maybe the the deeper question you know, I started off kind of vague or with a, an example and getting to the deeper question is temptation sin. Like if I'm tempted about something, is that just human and okay? Right. Yeah. Like, so being presented with temptations, that's just, that's not sinful. We get tempted all the time. So, uh, for example, a, a baby crying, um, that is going to make communication and thought more difficult. And there is going to be pain in that. And she would experience that pain, but she would not be like that baby is bad because of this uh, it's like this is a difficult situation that we are in <laughs> that's different than saying shut up baby uh, which you know i think every parent has felt at one point in time <laughs> it's it's <Yeah. laughs> so it's, it's, you gotta it's that um mm -hmm. that makes most uh, sense to me um yeah just because you feel bad doesn't mean you've done something sinful and that's a lot of times we we equate those two things um but what if i feel tempted, bad yeah, so whatever. Uh, feeling bad is um, temp being tempted feels bad, but it doesn't mean you've yet sinned. Wow. Yeah. 
Oh, that's cool. I like okay, that. Cool. Back to the person's question, though. Is it okay to relate to to Mary in these very, very human ways? Right, right, right. Just to get it, like, she's sinless doesn't mean she's not human. And it, actually thinking about these things and praying about these things helps us understand more who we are and who God has made us to be. So it's it's a good thing to, to think about and pray about. Um, hmm. Hi, Father Anthony, Father Harrison. My name is Alex from Fargo, North Dakota. I have a theological emergency about Dungeons and Dragons and how to portray fictional religions. D&D often includes fictional gods or takes place on secondary worlds where including gods seemingly doesn't make sense because it's a fictional universe. And the direct powers granted to the clerics don't reflect the actual gifts of the spirit. So my questions, can I keep clerics in D&D? Is there a way to present fictional deities in a way consistent with the Catholic worldview? Is any portrayal of another deity appropriate? Is there a way to present them that would help our understanding of God? For some further context, these settings have historically portrayed deities in a few different ways. First, Tolkien had a rather distant deity reminiscent of our own, but who would only present himself to the world. Then in 1970s D&D, clerics had a faith, held faith with a personal deity that would, they would grow a cult about as they grew in power. And later D&D had further personified deities, sort of like classical pantheons, um, that would reach out to form hierarchical churches, um, limited in scope to the concerns of their deity. None of these really reflect any real earth religion. Are any of those methods appropriate? Thank you, and God bless. Hey, 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 hi. We just oh. heard a very interesting question about one of my favorite hobbies. I felt like you weren't paying attention to that. You felt like I wasn't paying attention That's to that? That's how I feel. I don't want to assume... Uh, but I'm just telling you how I feel about your reaction. I want you to know how in tune your feelings are with reality because I stopped listening. I just stopped listening. I just I, I hear D and D's fun for people. You would have so much fun playing D and D. I don't care. You would I, love it so much. I, well, I. It's not like something I pursue. I think I would have fun doing drugs, but I won't do it because I don't need that <laughs> wait, in my wait, life. Wait, 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 wait. Are, that's, not, that's not a good... <laughs> it's a great analogy. No, it's not. Why do okay. people do drugs? Because they like them, and they should not like them. They're bad for you. you don't drugs do drugs. do not carry the same morality as Dungeons and Dragons. Okay, okay, okay. I don't know if it does or not. I don't play it. I can't make yeah, a comment on that. You can make judgments on things. You don't have to do something to find out if it's moral or not. What kind of chaotic world would this be? <laughs> I, don't know punch, I don't know if punching old ladies in the face is, is moral. I gotta find out to I feel right, afterwards. I'll, I'll comment on the, uh, on the part that I know, okay? North Dakota. Now, my daughter's name is indiana yes. and one of my friends actually called me he's like i know why you named her indiana because you're catholic you're gonna have 50 states or name 50 kids <laughs> named after 50 states so i'm like what if i had a kid named utah i'm like this is my daughter kentucky <laughs> but one of them that we all always think would be funny is like naming a person north dakota <laughs> it's pretty good well i think it's like with like having directional names as a part of directional directions as part of your name like the kardashians and like kanye west they've already done that right oh, that's true so it's not as crazy now 
This is um, my daughter, Nevada. <laughs> Nevada. What is, what's like Florida? Some of them are good, like Georgia, Georgia. Is that a that's song a, or are you just weird? That's a song. Whatever. Father Anthony. That's a, that's a beautiful song. I'm too song. busy playing D&D to listen to country music. Okay, so. It's not good. <laughs> It's it's a song about Georgia. It's obviously a country it's, song. It's not. Oh, yep, definitely is. All right, answer the the question. Okay, okay. So, uh, I would I would as far as this as far as the stories in Dungeons and Dragons go and how this is, I I really would hesitate to put like the true god within a Dungeons and Dragons story. You have to do it like a serious homebrew and maybe have like. Demons and stuff. I always avoid that. So, given the basics that we have in D anD D, without any homebrew stuff, any you know, making up your own stuff, um, for fiction to be good, it simply has to be good fiction. Um, focus on making a good fiction, not on. This is kind of like a Flannery O'Connor theme. Um, like uh, she was, she very much felt like her first job was just to write well, and because fiction does imitate reality she would write you know very grotesque and intense images but it was set in a moral universe okay um that there were consequences to actions i think i think if that's your focus if you do that and you're aware that this is truly fictional um it's at the very least morally neutral um uh, it's funny um playing i play dnd with a bunch of catholics and it's amazing how they use their knowledge of religion and Catholicism to mess with religion in D and D. That because they know the truth, they made like in this game, they made up their own cult. And the fact that they were very aware of like how to proselytize, how to do all the wrong things in religion, is a fascinating exercise and that sort of thing. So I, I wouldn't stress too much about this. Just make a good fiction. Uh, I really wouldn't put like Jesus or God in it. Um, Tolkien. Um, Man, there's a lot in that question. Uh, to perform like a creative act or what Tokum calls sub-creation is in its own way kind of glorifying God by creating, whether it's music or um, even athletic endeavors, especially fiction, poetry, that kind of thing. It's like we are participating in God's creation by making our own. Um, all of the gods in D&D do not fit what we would consider true gods. Um, and the only one who fits like the true God, even token is very vague and uh, kind of reminding us of the need for, to truly understand God, the need for incarnation, right? So using lesser beings and stuff, totally fine. Nick, I am going to drive over and punch you right in the face. I'm going to beat you up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring a microphone. I'm, I'm going to sure bring a microphone. You... And Alex, if that is his real name, yeah. are enjoying this. I'm going to record the sounds of your screams. That's all the <laughs> podcast is going to be. <laughs> We're also looking to hire a new producer. Uh, if you have any kind of good audio uh, skills, um, give us a call on the Theological Emergency Hotline. Does that mean I get a permanent spot on the show? Is that what you're saying? No, you'll be dead. In dead. Minecraft. <laughs> dead in minecraft yes 
but not before we go to my next favorite segment, Pastoral Council! Uh, and now it's time for Pastoral Council, where the laity are empowered to say words. Oh, yippee! opinions yeah yes yeah 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 you know yeah yeah you're not yeah, father harrison but people. you are yeah lay just people. as bad yeah, at transitions people. as father harrison you've said two mean things to me in a row i would like you to say two nice things about me you have a wonderful daughter no, that's a thing about my daughter, something nice about me. You are a good dad to your wonderful daughter. Okay, that's one thing, and that makes me feel really nice. Yeah. I need another thing. Oh, um, it's very nice of you to give your time to the podcast in this way. Yeah, I am generous with my time. You are. Or you're avoiding work. I don't know. I'm not going to judge. Now that I'm, like, you've said nice things about me, I'm okay. going to say mean things about priests. Oh, good. I, I've been talking to some people who have just been really irritated with clergy. Oh. Just why? really irritated. We well, never I'm do anything lit- wrong. I don't understand. I, oh, okay, cool. And um, I wanted to run some of them by you to get your thoughts about it. But like All this right. is perspective of lay people. That's what I like to do for pastoral counsel, particularly yeah. people who work in the church as lay people who, who just get cranky about their priest. And I'm like, I remember I was tweeting about this, something that made me cranky about a particular priest that I actually, frankly, don't even know. He mm-hmm. just made up some kind of silly rule just to protect himself. I'm like, that's dumb. I'll get to that in a minute. But it made me cranky. And then a, a, a different priest said to me, hey, ask him why he did that. I'm like, I know why he did that. He's like, ask other priests why they do that. I'm like, but I want to stay angry at them and put priests in a little box so I can be mad at them all the time. And then I thought, no, getting to know the person might actually even lead to the conversion of their thought to something that is pro- what I deem to be better or conversion of my thoughts so that I can love that person better. And so the reason why I want to bring up these things is to get perspectives from you. All right. Um, this and- make me want to drink heavily. I can tell. Oh, geez. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Thing number one. Priests are late for appointments all the time. They are always late. They are late for mass and they show up to mass last second. And they're like, oh, let's meet to talk at this place. I'm like, no, you're going to be late because of a funeral or something. You're going to be late because you're going to be late. You're going to be late. Priests are late all the time. One. um, No, they're not. Um, it depends on the priests. Like, this is a very human thing. Like, okay, um, you do, uh, there is a sort of thing where, uh, you become, you, there is, and this might be the answer to a lot of questions, that priests can become very institutionalized, uh, and very comfortable in their institution. Um, and so there aren't the same kinds of consequences for, um, being late for things. Like, no one's going to fire us. For being late for an appointment we're not gonna get reprimanded by anyone um and so sometimes yeah that can lead to temptation to kind of be lazy about those sort of things um, sometimes it's like what you said like emergencies and stuff pops up all the time or you're walking from like one place to another and like oh father do you have a minute 
and you just you don't want to um, just like shut down the person who's right in front of you because if you do that then they think you're a bad priest or whatever like you gotta balance so many expectations and you're not gonna do that perfectly um, I think sometimes a priest shows up in the sacristy last minute because they can't pray in the sacristy because there's gonna be a bunch of people that want to talk to the priest they have to like go over some last minute stuff so sometimes like for like daily mass and such um, I, I show up five minutes beforehand because I'm praying in the rectory beforehand. Oh, that's you know? cool. Um, so, so sometimes that's the reason why priests, you know, show up last second. Um, uh, for daily mass, I don't, I mean, for Sunday mass, I don't have that luxury because I, I want to make sure that things are, it's just more complicated than mass. Um, but yeah, there can be tons of reasons why that, uh, sometimes it's a personality flaw. Sometimes it's because, um, if it happens more than other jobs if you will it's because yes my there aren't consequences for that mm. um, so yeah. in the same line i think th i think that that offers cool perspective but in the same line mm -hmm. these priests have all week to prepare for one homily and they show up and they're just babbling about nothing and you know what why would i put money in a basket if you know oh i worked at a hospital. This is actually a real complaint I heard from yeah. <laughs> Herpie, someone I know, a doctor saying, I worked all week at a hospital. It was so hard. There wasn't an off moment. And they had all week to prepare a homily. And they didn't. It's the one time a week I see them. Why can't they just prepare and try? Now, Anthony, uh, or Father Anthony, um, I hear you do homilies. And they're really good. They're, I, I've had the blessing of when you preach, the Lord gives me the very nice grace of not seeing you as my brother. And that is just the best because that means I can just receive it. Then afterwards, I, yeah, back to being bro. But um, what, what do you, on behalf of all of your clergymen, what are your thoughts? Okay. Um, a few things as far as the whole week thing. I think people grossly underestimate how emotionally and spiritually taxing a week of being a priest can be. Mm. Um, you know, I can at one moment be, it's hard to even give examples. I don't want to like, you know, I can do three funerals in a week and maybe all three funerals, you know, I was giving funerals to families who were basically faithless. And I don't mean that as a derogatory thing. I mean, people who really don't have much of the faith anymore. And that's exhausting to try to pe preach the gospel to so many people who don't want to hear it. Um, and a lot of times they do, but you know, you, it's, it's different, you know, maybe that's a situation, you know, maybe I did a funeral for a dad of three kids that week. Um, and then I also had to, you know, do a whole bunch of, uh, marriage paperwork. And then I, um, met with someone who's struggling with their marriage. And then I heard just a bunch of sins in the confessional. Um, and so people really underestimate how truly emotionally taxing being a priest mm -hmm. can be if you care about people, right? How, how do you, how do you manage that? How do you manage like, um, the, the balance between like, like hearing all these things 
in going through all these hardships, like the highest points in people's lives, like baptisms and marriages, Mm -hmm. the lowest parts in people's lives, like death and then that faithlessness. Like it'd be like throwing a party and knowing why no one wants to be there and you're like the MC and everyone's like, screw you, I don't care. Yeah, that happens a lot. Like, Like, which would be a lot, but like, how do you personally like do you compartmentalize because i know doctors deal with the same the same sort of thing where it's yeah. like oh i had to announce someone has cancer and then then the next person you're cancer free and it's all in one afternoon right how do you or some of your clergy friends like do it <laughs> yeah so i mean that's something a lot of stuff we have to we have to keep you know i guess it's probably similar doctors we have to keep this stuff like secret um just for not even like sealed confessional stuff, but just personal privacy stuff. Mm. Talking to other priests is really, really helpful. Mm. Um, it's really, really, really helpful to talk to other priests. Um, making sure you take care of yourself um, as far as like, you know, physically, emotionally, having friends, all that stuff is really important. Prayer is the most important. It really, really is. You cannot do this stuff if you're not praying. You'll get burnouts. You'll, it's just bad if you don't pray. So all that. Okay. So, this whole idea that like I spend all week on my homily is that's not reasonable. Okay. It's just not, <laughs> uh, it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, uh, I'm just doing too much stuff to, okay. That being said, that being said, um, I, I do believe that, uh, for every time you preach, the Lord has something to say to his people and it's your job as a priest to find out what that is and to, you know, uh, allow the Lord to use your own uh, gifts and talents in that. And that ultimately preaching comes through prayer. If you're praying every day, I think your preaching becomes better. Um, even if it's not necessarily technically better or charismatic, you'll have something to say and that something will be ultimately from the Lord. Um, some priests uh, don't see preaching in that way. Um, and also a lot of people don't see preaching in that way. They don't see preaching as a mystical part of the liturgy. Um, they expect the priest to give a talk. And so the priest constructs a talk or doesn't um, because it's just a talk and whether or not uh, it's good or bad. The only thing people care about is whether or not mass was 45 minutes or an hour. Um, The first thing I ever heard um, at my first parish assignment was, you know, father, keep it under, you know, 50 minutes and you'll be okay. And I I poured my heart into that liturgy. Um, And that was just devastating to hear from a person. Because mm. that's how they've been trained to appreciate the mass. And some priests, they truly think that that's the best way to celebrate mass. That's how they've been trained and informed. So I actually tried something the other day where like, I went to a, a mass at a parish and the, I knew the priest who was about to give the homily. I'm like, this is going to be bad, but wait. Okay, Nick. Jesus, or like this person is ordained. He is one of the Lord's priests listen to him because there's there's got to be something there if this guy's ordained even if it kills me to like and i got something out of it in in a different way than ever before um which was humiliating but like really good i'm like the lord still works through his priests which is sure even if it's boring as heck like all right take that one line and try it and it ended up being super effective in my life yeah so, um, but yeah, yeah, of course there are, there are priests who don't put a lot into their homilies. Um, it's the thing that happens. Um, mm-hmm. and that's unfortunate. Okay. 
Well, maybe maybe some priests are good preachers, but you know what? They don't know what real life is like. Like they they have people who 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 uh, take out the trash for them, you know. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, if I don't take out the trash as a lay person, and I don't put away the dishes, and I don't clean my house, then oh gosh, the trash is gonna stink. They have people to do that at the end of a long day. I don't. Now, what do you notice? In because I I hear stuff like that all the time. Priest yeah. are baby. They're baby. They're babied. Like, and the way it's delivered is normally in that cranky sort of tone. Yeah. What do you notice both about the tone and um what do you what what do you think of that that criticism? Well, first of all, there is a problem with infantilization in the priesthood. Um that's, infantilization. Absolutely. Um it's it's very easy not to grow up as a priest. It, you have to put more effort into it. Um and you see this attitude among a lot of priests and I fall into it too that I still ex- expect my bishop to uh you know uh, prov- almost provide for me on an emotional level. A lot of people are like, well, the bishop doesn't care about this, the bishop doesn't care about that. And priests don't take responsibility for themselves and realize that they have to be the father and that we have to support each other because the bishops either can't or won't do it for us. Like, okay, so how do we do this for each other? How do we take responsibility? We very all the time and for very understandable reasons complain about the diocese. Um, we are a part of this institution as much as anyone else. And we get to decide what it is to a large extent, um, but we don't. We just sit there and whine and cry. Um, that it's very easy as a priest to live as a bachelor, um, especially you know if you're a parochial vicar or you can even a pastor. Um, yeah, you can um, totally put aside uh, all your responsibilities. You don't have to care about a mass to celebrate a mass, and uh, you do have expendable income, and you do get to set your own schedule. And so you can take advantage of all that. Sure, absolutely. Um, so that are those things that happen in the priesthood? Yes. Um, as far as the person like complaining about my lifestyle, because you know I do. There's a lady who uh, cleans for us and everything. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying not to get bitter as I think about this. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll take out the trash. Uh, you celebrate the funeral for, you know, the 35 year old dad who just died. How about that? Does that sound like a good trade to you? Um, <laughs> it's it's uh, okay. You know, uh, family life. There's plenty of struggles in it and a lot of struggles. I'm not denying that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you still have a wife to go home to. I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Children are. Um, are can be <laughs> incredibly difficult and heartbreaking at times. Mm-hmm. Okay, you still have them. I don't. Mm-hmm. There are different crosses. We live different lives. There's no point in comparing them. Um, mm. uh, and, but I don't have less human experience because I'm a priest. I would argue mm-hmm. in a lot of ways I have more. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I don't always have to take out the garbage. You know, I don't, I don't have to do a lot of manual labor. I have to do a lot of other kind of labor. Um, mm-hmm. It's just different, and and whether or not you're a lay person or a priest, you know, you're the, uh, the crosses are built for us. My cross is built for me as a priest. Your cross is built for you as a mom, as a dad, as a single person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, comparing crosses is just futile. Yeah, I I, I really like that because. Um, 
like where we most need like a married person right cool yeah when you have a baby what do, what does your friend do, do for you they set up a meal train yeah. because it is just impossible to make your own food and you're like <laughs> barely sleeping and yeah. then i've heard stories of priest days you know um mm -hmm. who who like have like a, a type of trauma that would wreck me now don't get me wrong I have plenty of that. But when I have trauma in the household, <laughs> yeah. you know what we do? We order pizza. I was going to do the responsible thing and I was going to cook my own dinner, but like, no, nah, we're doing pizza yeah. a second time this week, you know? Like, and if I had someone who said, hey, can I come make you a meal? I'd be like, yeah, you know what? That'd really help my family right now. Um, the, the part about comparing the crosses too, I'm like, what's your real beef with the dude? What's your real beef with it? Because you know how people complain about like, um, I, I think you got to the point uh, of the reality of it, but some of the animosity between um, lay people and uh, clergy is just like, you haven't had that clergy person out to coffee, have you? Yeah. You should probably yeah, have think, them out yeah, to I coffee. I think some of it is, is like this impersonal you know, thing. I think part of it is grass is always greener. Uh, mm -hmm. And don't get me wrong. Like I, I wouldn't, I, well, I have like the deepest, we, we joke all the time on the podcast um, about clericalism because um, it's kind of like our bit and we're making fun of ourselves, but I have the deepest respect for um, the sufferings and joys and everything that families go through. I, I, I get invited into the deepest moments of that. Mm -hmm. um, they're not surprising to me. Um, mm -hmm. And I think there's a profound, it's holy ground whenever we talk about, you know, the real struggles of and joys of family life. I'm not disrespecting that at all. I just would hope other people would do that for me too. Yeah. And I, I also think there's like, so I, I do youth ministry. Yes. And when a youths. teen comes up to me and they're complaining about like, they, like they have their very, very first thoughts about the liturgy. You know, uh, they're just starting to form opinions about the liturgy so and what sad. songs they like. That's a sad moment. And, and I want to get bitter and like I'm talking to an adult who's been around for a long time who has like silly opinions about liturgy. Yeah. But I'm like, oh, also the people that I minister to are going to be experiencing for the this for the very first time. And so what they'll want to talk to me about is the same old thing. I, I remember a youth minister came up to me and said, you know how I want, I knew I wanted to get out of youth ministry. I said, how? And she said, well, if I had to hear one more teen talk about their relationships, I was going to kill myself. I'm like, come on, <laughs> come on. You're, you're exaggerating. She just stared at me. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Oh, okay. But like as a priest to have like, um, or, you know, uh, when, when we, when we encounter the same type of critiques all the time and when we, um, encounter all the same, no, how do I, what do I want to say? Um, there has to be a patience in ministry for both of us. Yeah. Like, but all, all vocations. Yeah. Cause like, I'm going to meet that gung ho seminary and brand new priest who wants to save the world. And me as a staff member, I'm like, <laughs> okay, cool. Go have fun. Yeah. Have fun. Yeah. Then I have those other, I, I encounter priests who um, are in the J yeah, totally jaded and this and that. Mm -hmm. And then um, my favorite priests to work for are the ones that pray. Yeah. But that's my favorite lay people to hang out with too. Yeah. 
Do you know what I mean? Like, I just feel like, because I, I even have more, more, more fun little critiques here. Um, those were the, the sort of heavy ones. Yeah, it felt but, heavy. Oh my gosh, right? But like, maybe, maybe, maybe this is a good time to transition into this one. Like, okay. to, to, to the jaded priest. Right. Um, making weird rules to protect themselves. Okay. What do you so, mean? Um, putting aside whether or not this should happen or shouldn't happen. A priest said to some friends of mine who were doing a fundraiser for youth ministry, can we, they asked, can we speak at the masses? And he said, well, I, I would love it if you spoke at the masses, but if I let you speak, then I have to let everyone speak. Mm -hmm. And I, all I thought I got so mad. I'm like, no, you don't, you don't, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. And then I thought to myself a little more, I'm like, you probably made up that rule because you've been burned and now you're jaded and, and you don't want to make these hard rules anymore. And then my heart like sinks and stuff. No, I don't sense? think it's that. For something like that, um, yeah. it's, this is like, you can only handle so much and you've got to decide what hills you're going to die on. And you know what? Sometimes it's as simple as, no, I'm not going to let people speak at masses because I... This parish has 2,000 committees on it, and everyone wants to speak at Mass, or everybody thinks that their thing is the most important. And for me to pick and choose um, just creates division and animosity in the parish. And you know what? No. No. There are other ways to get your message across. And I'm sorry you have to do more work. And yeah, it'd be great for you to do this thing, but I can't deal with all this. It, it's for the mm. overall health of the parish. The best thing is to just not have people speak at Mass. Um, Sorry, it's just a practical thing. It doesn't have to be yeah. like this whole I got burned thing. It's just like, I. this is how you run a very large parish with lots of groups. It doesn't have to be more complicated than that. Right, but like, but I guess the way it was approached made me so cranky. It was like, I would, I would want you to do this. Yeah. But then those other ministries we'd have to. Okay, that's I'm just like, putting off the responsibility. Um, like that's, that's what makes you cranky. It was like, oh, it's everyone else's fault. Like, no, I've made this decision. And if you're upset, you can be upset with me. Mm. That's part of being a dad. That's part of being a boss. And you have to accept that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You shouldn't push it off on other people. I remember thinking to myself when that conversation went through, I'm like, actually doing one thing doesn't start a precedence. You get to start the precedence based on what you think is the most important thing. So if you think uh, teens are the most important thing, then let the youth minister speak at every mass. Oh gosh, that sounds horrible to me. But but yeah. do, do you get where I'm coming from here? Like uh, yes and no. Like okay, is um, the prayer shawl ministry? And frankly, I was sick once, and they gave me a, a um, they gave me a blanket that they 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 prayed with with every stitch. And it was very nice, and I still like it. A lot. <laughs> like, I I think they're indispensable. But like, do they get the same amount of time as like the youth minister or the director of evangelization? Like, um, and can a priest make that choice? Yes, a priest can totally make that choice. But a lot of times, the best choice is to say, no, I'm not going to do this. Uh, because you you know what? You know what those prayer shawl ministers? Uh, I'm picking on them. Um, let's let's um, underwater the, the basket basket, underwater basket water weaving club of the parish. Yeah, okay? yeah, yeah. Um, uh, guess what? Those people, they're also involved in a lot of other ministries. They're actually kind of pillars of the community as well. And uh, a lot of like their opinion can really either unite or cause division in the parish. Um, so while it's not fair, um, it's just a prudent thing to do to, you know, within reason, make sure they're happy. I mean, I'm mm. sorry. That's just kind of part of running a large 
organization that you have to keep all these things like yeah if a priest wants to be like youth ministry is the most important thing for me we're gonna let the youth minister speak then he can do that totally fine right mm -hmm. but i understand why a priest wouldn't do that mm -hmm. um because youth ministry can still be the most important thing and they don't have to speak at mass you know um, how, how how do you how do you as a priest learn how to your style then you know like yeah uh, well, a lot of times you have to figure out, first and foremost, you you need to take seminary seriously and find out what your own deal is. Like um, the are most you, dangerous are you people have your own deal. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. The most dangerous people in ministry are unaware of what they need emotionally. What do you mean? Spiritually, personally, they're unaware of what their what their uh, perceived needs are. There's not a lot of self-awareness. Exactly. So, okay. Um, okay uh like let's say that you're a people person and that you really thrive on praise if you don't know that you will really do some like you'll end up doing some twisted stuff and play favorites and um mess people up because you're unaware that that's a tendency you have <laughs> can i give you an example of this sure <laughs> so i i took one of those tests because we were doing some you know inner staff training and i you know the the temperaments i'm like sanguine sanguine i'm 100 sanguine i didn't score anything else so basically i'm a golden retriever who likes praise who's super shallow and i'm like oh gosh i hope not yeah. i know i'm not you know i i have a tendency not to remember important things to other people mm -hmm. and that's just like i'll go anywhere like a golden retriever and just like to be liked but I'll also go up to um, my staff members who are more, you know, melancholic and this and that, and I'll I'll say to them like, "Hey, I have to be the bad guy. After I'm done being the bad guy, can you tell me I did a good job?" <laughs> and they'll laugh so hard to be like, "Nick, if that's what you need, fine." And I used to resent that, but now I just have to like roll with it the best that I can, because like if this is how I naturally am a little bit, like, uh, and I do need like praise and this and that like i need to be like hey i'm gonna do this thing it is not going to feel good i value it more than i like doing it <laughs> and then i have to do it sure sure uh but like first a few things with with that specific example like um uh th those tests and the temperament stuff is is i basically want to throw all that stuff out there's such a danger in putting yourself in a box with those mm. things uh, and while it's good to have general awareness stuff, like I, I find those things to be very dangerous in a lot of ways. All right. Mm. Um, also, like with stuff like, hey, um, I don't like conflict, but it would be wrong for me to, um, you know, uh, have to reprimand somebody or talk to a person or staff member and then say for me, like, and then to have them emotionally support me. Oh, no, I, I go to other people. Okay, good. Yeah, like, that's what I mean. Yeah, I'd call you and be like, hey, I was, yeah, sure. I did the right that's thing fine. and I that's hated That's taking it. care of yourself, right? Okay. But good. I've known people who have done that where it's like, I hope you're not mad at me. It's like, dude, either take the responsibility or, or don't, right? Yeah. Okay, so that's what I mean by, by knowing what your, your stuff is, okay? Um, and then just, yeah, you know, there's different ways to become aware of your weaknesses and strengths, and you've got to accept some of your weaknesses. Like some people are going to be mad at me because I'm not organized and I can work on that. Never going to be my strength. Sorry. Um, mm. Still going to do my best. Going to try to work around it. Try to get people to help me with it. Cool. But mm, sometimes stuff is going to fall through the cracks and I have to accept my own weakness. Um, like, for example, like I can't like this priest 
I'm not going to deal with 2,000 committees wanting to talk at mass because there's other more important stuff I need to put my energy toward. There just is. Mm. Something you guys said on the last podcast that I really, really liked was that um, you know you were talking about how how much fun it was to read a tweet, get really, really angry about it, and then forget that God is in control, right? Sure. Um, that's the thing. It, that happens. There's something that's what makes radio successful. That's what. But <clears throat> so I think we did a little bit of that. Like I brought up the hot topic issues, but where is the um, where is the way to proceed? When you when you have these resentments, when you have these angers toward towards priests, like like what's uh, and this is, I I have a few thoughts myself, but I'd love for you to to go first, and then I'll I'll follow up. Um, I mean, okay. Uh, sometimes it's important to. Um, sometimes I think it's okay to retreat, like if you're blessed to have a parish that's close enough, the priest that jazz with you more than i don't care go okay um it's not the best solution but better than sinning i guess um sometimes <laughs> avoiding sin is that's the best you can do like i'm not gonna grow in virtue right now uh something i need to work on maybe later so maybe that's okay um i think it's just um like i think you've been pointing to this throughout the uh conversation of like actually getting to know people as people goes a long way um I think sometimes just realizing like, okay, I, I don't know what's going on. Mm. I just don't know what's going on. Right. Um, and, and leaving it there instead of, I don't know what's going on, but I bet it's this, right. Um, think about ourselves and how much that we mess up or are irritating to people, you know? Um, and this is all part of being in a family. Mm-hmm. They people, priests, parishes, it sounds cliche, but it's going to be messy and that's fine. And there, and even conflicts can be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, uh, yeah, if all your priest hears is critiques, then that's not going to be helpful because he's a frail little human person, just like anyone else. Yeah. Um, if all the priest hears is compliments, that's not good either. I've seen that go terribly wrong. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's, it's. This is like all this stuff is normal. We don't have to make it a big deal. Like this, like this episode that you've talked about, it's not clickbaity. It's like, hey, let's talk about stuff that's difficult sometimes, and it's fine. It's normal, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it maybe because it's it's uh, I haven't eaten lunch yet and I'm a little bit tired. Um, maybe it's just like just can everyone chill? Like yeah. <laughs> some, hey, guess what? Some priests they're not good at being a priest. And that's really sad if they're not. Some priests are good priests or just going through a really tough time. It's also sad. Some priests it just are... sounds like anyone though, doesn't it? Like exactly. Except yeah. you know, when you're a priest, you represent God, so it, it, it carries some <laughs> extra oomph to it. Yeah. It sure does. It, 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 at least it complicates it. You know, it in, does. In, the, in, in the same way that my children are going to have complicated relationships with mom and dad yeah uh you have that with different more people and this is what harrison and uh especially harrison has been talking father harrison has been talking a lot about like there needs we need to understand the difference between office and person and that's part of growing up too like as you and i grew up you know we know our dad and he's also father to us but we also know who dominic is you know and that's (laughs) a that's an important part of growing up um and same thing with 
with priests. Um, you mm-hmm. gotta realize that there's a difference between office and person. Um, yeah, especially like as a parish worker, he is boss, he is father, yeah. he is sometimes friend, all mm-hmm. in once. Ooh, too yeah. many hats, and that's that. That can be tricky. So, you know, uh, I think that it's it's very normal for like I'm never offended if one of my um, uh, one of the staff members, they, they don't belong to this parish. That sounds like normal and healthy to me, but also some are totally cool with being a part of the parish. I'm like, fine, right. fine. Whatever you need to do, I'm not going to be offended by that. So I haven't been mad at a priest in about seven Two months. Two days. Uh, really? No. Seven months? Yeah. Like genuinely You've gone longer than I have. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I heard myself. <laughs> I, I heard a, f- a person came in to talk to our staff about like, when you think you know all that and, and everyone else sucks and, and, and you're, you're super smart and you know all the answers. Cause that's, that's a temptation in church work and probably any business, but yeah. um, he, the prescription that the Lord gives is, is to ask for mercy on yourself. And I'm like, that's stupid. You should have mercy on everyone else because oh. they're all wrong and dumb. Oh, yeah. And um, so I'm like, <laughs> no, no. But I'm like, you know what though? That's, that's in the gospel. So every single time, I think I have the right answer and everyone else is so dumb not to realize it. I, Nick Sharapa, am going to pray, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. Mm-hmm. Like it, it has done crazy things in my life. I end up actually praying. It started off as patronizing, you know, like I'm like, I'm doing this because the gospel says so. <laughs> it's probably wrong. That's, that's a pat- it, prideful. Is, but is, but yes. like, Lord, you have duped me. Like mm-hmm. this is working. Like I yeah. am, I have better conversations with priests who uh, think different things than me. I have been doing like with staff members. I've been like more helpful towards them. I've been working harder at the relationships. Like every time I think I'm better and smarter than people like that, that have mercy on me. Cause I'm a sinner yeah. thing. I, I don't know the practical steps if you wanted to sell a book, but if you just sold a book saying with two pages and the first page being saying like, you think you're all that you turn the page, <laughs> Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. End of book read tomorrow. <laughs> like I think that would be a pretty successful book. Yeah. Uh, I think yes. Uh, a little bit of humility goes a long way. I guess I have to flip the script now. Or I can do your part. I like doing your part with Father Harrison. Thank yeah. you for listening. That's what you say. Thank you for listening. Do you have a theological emergency? Call 412-912-7995. Feel free to email the podcast at clericallyspeaking at gmail.com with all of your questions. If I'm Anth, Father Anthony, you can find me put in the secret social media that no one uses. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm producer Nick. You can fi- find me on Twitter at Papa Sharapa. How'd I do? How'd I do? I mean, I think you got all the parts. They're mixed <laughs> up there. Yeah, what um, is the order? I, I only edit the podcast every Don't worry week. about it. Okay. Um, hey, peace. God bless. There you go. <laughs>